<laughs> Welcome everybody to a special Halloween episode of Fade to Gray. Today we discuss the history of Satan and the church, as well as a few haunting stories from members of the round table and past guests of the Fade to Gray podcast. Sit back, munch on some candy corn, and enjoy this episode. Paul, take it away. The story of Satan in Christianity starts like this. Before God created mankind, God created angels. And in a perfect state in heaven, all the angels worshipped God. There was one angel who was more beautiful than all the others. He was considered the worship leader in heaven, and his name was Lucifer. One day, pride was found in his heart on account of his beauty, and he believed that he should be worshipped. So he was able to convince a third of the angels to follow him. In an attempt to overthrow God, there was a battle between God's angels and Lucifer's angels where Lucifer was thrown to the earth. And it's at that point that he becomes Satan and the fallen angels become demons. This is inferred from Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. In Isaiah 14, it talks about the shining one, Lucifer, falling from heaven with all of his instruments and all of his pomp and blare. In Ezekiel, it talks about the anointed cherub who walked among the fiery stones, who on account of his beauty became prideful and turned on God. And though Isaiah and Ezekiel are speaking of human beings, it's inferred that behind these human beings, they're speaking of a spiritual being called Lucifer. It's later been pointed out that Lucifer is not a proper name, but a description. Satan is also not a proper name, but it's a description, meaning accuser. Now, God created Adam and Eve and put them in paradise, in Eden. And um, he allowed Satan to come in the form of a serpent to test and tempt Adam and Eve. So God wanted to create free-willed human beings in his image who would choose to worship him and not worship Satan. And so Satan's goal on earth is to test and tempt human beings and try to turn them from God. God allows Satan to do this, and Adam and Eve disobey God, follow Satan's advice, and God curses the world curses man and woman, and curses Satan. And from here, history begins where Satan is allowed to continue throughout the centuries to test and tempt human beings. We see this in the book of Job where Satan is policing the earth, and then he comes before God, and God asks him, what have you seen, and have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, well, he only worships you, because you give him such a great life, but let me strike him and uh, we'll see if he continues to worship you. And God says to Satan, you know, you can strike his stuff, but you can't harm him. And then it says fire from heaven falls upon Job's family. So God is working in tandem with Satan here to tempt Job. And when Job doesn't sin and Satan comes before God again 
and God brags that Job didn't turn on him, God says, though you incited me against him without reason. So here you have a sort of disconcerting idea of God and Satan working together. Um, in the Old Testament, David took a census and God was upset with this, so uh, caused a war where thousands of people killed. Later on, in a parallel version of that account, it says that Satan inspired David to take that census. So here you have God being replaced with Satan. So Satan here seems to be an extension of the will of God in the Old Testament. Now, in between the Testaments, the Jews were brought into exile in Babylon, uh, which was conquered by the Persians in a Persian religion called Zoroastrianism, which predates Judaism, was said to have an influence on the idea of Satan. In Zoroastrianism, there was monotheism. They believed in one God, but they also had a concept called dualism, where they believed in it in an evil being that was at war with God. And this evil being was a god of the underworld, so they had a developed view of hell that the Hebrews didn't have. So when the Jewish people came up against Zoroastrianism, uh, those ideas rubbed off in between the Old and New Testament time period, which is also called the Second Temple period. Also at this time, the Book of Enoch was written, which tells the story of fallen angels coming to Earth and having sex with women and creating offspring called Nephilim. And in this battle to stop the Nephilim from destroying human beings, they're taken out into the wilderness or a desert area where they are banished underground in caves. So this idea of a, of a battle between light and dark and good and evil develops in between the Old and the New Testament. By the time you get to the New Testament, you see the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Those readers would have understood that Satan was found in the desert. When Jesus is casting demons out of somebody, the demons beg him, don't send us back to the abyss where we came from. Send us into the pigs instead. Jesus casts the demon into those pigs, or the, the demons into those pigs, and then the pigs run off the cliff and drown themselves. But this idea that they don't want to go back to the abyss where they came from is also an allusion to the book of Enoch. In... Second Peter and Jude, you also see references to angels being locked up in dungeons or in gloomy places awaiting the day of judgment. This is also an allusion to the period of time between the Testaments. Now Satan's role in the New Testament seems to be God's enemy, so dualism is in full swing. Satan is possessing people, oppressing people, tempting people. He's considered the father of lies who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a roaring lion that makes war with the saints. He's the cause of the persecution of Christians and the rise of the Antichrist spirit in the world, which is eventually going to end in a cataclysmic end times conflict between God and Satan, where Satan is bound up and put into a pit for a thousand years and then the book of Revelation says he's let out to deceive the nations once again. Finally in an end times battle Satan and everyone who follows him 
is rounded up and thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur to be tormented and burned day and night forever and ever in final judgment. Mm, sounds to me like the scariest creature in the Bible isn't Satan at all, but maybe God, since he controls Satan and um, he can destroy both your body and soul in hell. Hmm. <laughs> All right. What do you guys think, Renee? Oh, yeah. I had some spiritual encounters. Yeah. Let's yeah, talk like, about it. You like that stuff, man. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I think I was fucking with the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> a little too much. And I had some problems. What, like a Ouija board or what? No, I went to Soul Survivor. Do you know that? Nope. It's like... Uh, What's the word? Like pinkster. It's called here pinkster. I think it's evangelical, but then the extreme version of evangelical. It's like even an extremer church. Um, Pentecost. Pentecostal church. Oh, okay. That's charismatic. Is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they, uh, from that region, you know, they it's like a church that preach uh, uh, the same thing every night. Like, something's going to change this night and you have a demon inside of you. We're going to pray for you. Like, that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it was like a festival and it takes like five days for Jesus. And um, yeah, every there were like three sermons a day. And also bands playing during... Uh, like Tim Hughes played there, Matt Redman, like all those big guys. And uh, it was five days uh, only being busy with Jesus. And in, in that... You were getting the, busy with Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> I got down on my knees and started pleasuring Jesus. But... He's talking about praying. He's talking about praying and worshiping. <laughs> yeah, of course. He was being pleasing to Jesus. <laughs> Gust. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry, I'm burning hell now. But uh, <laughs> I noticed that every sermon I went to, or every church service, there were like three a day. So every church service I went to, there was like this altar call in the end, and every like half of the church went forward, or half of the festival went to the stage and got prayed over. And they fell in the spirit. They start speaking in tongues. They cast out demons, you know, all the whole rambam or everything, you know. And so I thought, uh, that that looks strange as a 15-year-old guy. Let's go to stage two, uh, to the stage two. Uh, but I do not have anything on my heart, you know. I'm just a very sober guy. And I just think it's funny to see people fall. <laughs> So I went there and I kind of opened myself up like, hey, uh, if you want to pray for me, uh, do that. And some guy went, uh, came out to me and uh, he put his hand on my head and started pushing me. Like he, he was trying to uh, push me to the ground and I, uh, I'm very good at judo. So I know <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good balanced. So it didn't work. You were going to say you were going to like judo kick him to the face. <laughs> yeah. Totally didn't work for him. I just stood my ground there. And uh, I did that like all week. I went to the front and opened myself up and said, ah, we want to pray for me. And I was together with a friend of mine who was equally sober-minded. 
and we were there on the stage and we were I, I feel like we were the only two guys standing there the rest was having a mass epileptic attack <laughs> uh, and we were there standing and looking to each other and i said do you feel anything and he said no i did not feel anything i i, I said it makes me think of mass hysteria you know he said yeah it's, it's like a mass hysteria or something it's like sheep going all crazy and let's do let's go all crazy and then i got i got like home and um i was sleeping and i got my sleeping my first experience with sleeping paralysis 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 what's the word paralysis yeah yeah and uh i woke up and uh, uh i had that and i thought what the fuck is this and um then I saw, I thought like that's probably like my muscles uh, are still asleep, and I thought at first I thought it was funny, but then I actually felt there was something laying on top of me, and because of that I couldn't move, and that thing that was on top of me was moving, and uh, it was laughing. Uh, it was very strange. It was and, audible, like you could hear it laughing. Yeah, and it wasn't a person. No, it wasn't my brother. I first thought it was my brother or something. Giving, uh, and I had it like for three straight nights in the middle of the night. And uh, also my brother was was often, uh, he, he already had it a couple of times and I was laughing about it, you know. Uh, stop being such a pussy <laughs> and uh, stop going to your parents or just leave, leave like the nightlight out because come on, man, you're, you're a grown guy. That, uh, and uh, he said, yeah, but I hear footsteps in the hallway uh, at night and uh, constantly. And uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, after that, I decided to uh, stay with him in his, in his room, you know, uh, put my mattress uh, next to his bed and leave the door open and just test it out, you know. And, uh, yeah, we actually heard footsteps. Yeah, strange, huh? So tell me a little bit more about whenever you were being, I guess, like attacked or whatever. So you, you were asleep when this was happening or were you fully awake? No, when, when I realized uh, that, that it was moving, I was fully awake. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? But, but before that you were asleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before I was asleep. Yeah. I just woke up like very gently, I guess. Like, yeah. And I, I just realized the situation, like, oh, I'm probably like sleep paralysis. And so, you felt pressure. You felt pressure on your chest or what? Where was the like pressure? My complete body. All over your like body. From, from the neck down. And you said you could feel it moving and you could hear it laughing. Describe, uh, describe how it moved. Yeah, just, uh, just like, uh, yeah, I tried to move, but I couldn't move. And it moved just like a little bit like, I don't know how to say it. Like there's a person on top of you trying to hold you down. Like that. Mm. Could you see anything? No, it was. Uh, yeah, that was also something weird. Um, I always hated that. But my room was at the front of the house. And if, if I don't know, it's a, it's a bit of a similar street than this as, as this street is. So... I had my, my, my room was like in front of the, of a lantern or what's it called? The street lamp. A street lamp. Yeah. Like the street lamp was on this side of the street 
and and it shi- it shined straight into my room and i only had like uh yeah curtains like these so you can actually see the street lights through it so my room was always lit and i'm really annoyed by that because i can totally not sleep in a a slightly lit, lit room you know mm-hmm. i rather have very dark rooms and that night uh it was completely pitch black so that was also a little weird so uh, the street lamp was out no I don't, I don't think so. It but, just strange, but yeah, but the strange thing is, me as a Christian guy, I just started praying and fell asleep again. <laughs> and I don't know how I fell asleep again because I was so terrified. It's because you were asleep the whole time. Yeah, that's probably a, probably <laughs> the case. I don't know. I think it was very spooky. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. But I had it. For, but I had it for three three nights. You know. Yeah. And that's, but it's also weird that my brother is describing exactly the same activities. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's weird. You both share genes, and so you both have the same stuff going on in your head. It makes sense. Yeah. Hmm? But you're not the only one to describe something like that. People talk about stuff like that all the time. But uh, I always like those stories, you know. Sleep paralysis, uh, paralysis is very known, actually, but it also causes hallucinations. And uh, I, I, I probably had a very strange hallucination after uh, after Soul Survivor. Oh, yeah. And that's probably because I was very busy with that spiritual shit during Soul Survivor. So not only that, but you were, you know, I mean, technically you were blaspheming the Holy Spirit, not letting it do its work there at that Pentecostal church you were at. So that was the Holy Spirit's way of punishing you yeah, for it being was such a dick. festival. <laughs> It was, it was like a festival because you had your tents with them and it was on a lake. It was all beautiful. That was charismatic but, witchcraft. The, the preacher was mad at you. So he yeah. sent demons to, to tempt you. Yeah. You've experienced this before, Chris, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a succubus who wanted to ride your two meter. <laughs> a dong, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how my stories really stack up because they are, I look at them too, cri- too critically now. But my first, the first time I went um, on a mission trip um, was, I went to Guatemala when I was 15. Um, it was not my first time That's out of the York. country, but it, well, first time I left the country, I was three. So there's that. But no, the first time I went, on a mission trip, I was 15. We took our church youth group to Guatemala and we were doing a little skits, um, little plays in schools to tell them about the story of Jesus. That's what the trip was. And we went to one church. Oh, we went to a church one night where we did the skit and then we had um, a guy who could speak Spanish actually gave the message. I don't know if he was our translator. I don't remember. But what I do remember is that these women came into the back of the church and started um, chanting loudly. And I didn't understand Spanish at all then. But what I was told was they were speaking incantations. They were the local Wiccan uh, coven. And they heard that these Christian American kids had come to tell people about Jesus and they weren't happy. So they little incantation things 
and some girl in the front, I did, uh, not with our group, but one of the girls threw up um, a black vomit and it, uh, it took on a persona and rolled out the door and out the front door. Like there was a door right there by the stage. And that was weird. Uh, that's probably the most um, inexplicable to me anyway, thing that's ever happened. The hell? That I would consider <laughs> scary. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, it was just people being dumb, which is not scary. It's just people being dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Now there are a lot of witches praying for or chanting against Donald Trump. <laughs> Liberal witches. We got like all already we got like three Halloween stories. Seth, you got anything spooky? So back in the day when I was a intern for a mega church in northwest Missouri called Word of Life. I would often hang out with people that were working the overnight shift uh, in this room called the prayer room. It was actually called, I don't remember. That was the coffee shop though. I don't, I don't remember what the prayer room was called. <laughs> Every time I hear a coffee shop, I think of place where people smoke weed. Oh no, this was a coffee shop inside of the church, which was also a bookstore. All right. But outside of that was this prayer room that was 24-7. So they always had someone that was working the overnight shift, you know, just hanging out. And I swear in that church, you could walk at night, like up and down the hallways outside of the main auditorium. And I swear to you, it always felt like you could hear people running up and down the aisles. like it. It's super freaky. But there was one night we were in the prayer room. And we were like running around or doing something. And I remember looking back and seeing a dark figure like in the room that was for the night guard. And it was one of the scariest things I ever encountered. That is scary. Did you run up to it to see what it was? Absolutely not. I ran out like a little chicken. <laughs> yeah, I probably oh. have to. And I have one more. So the, you 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 actually saw the night guard masturbating there, Paul? What? No. <laughs> no, I was sleeping with the night guard. That no. <laughs> oh, nice. He one. was in the other room. That was not. No, that wasn't happening. Uh-huh. Speaking of, when <laughs> I was in California at a substance abuse agency uh, facility, mom and pop type type situation, mm. and I was there because I was drinking alcohol in excess, and the people also, you know, said that they could make me straight, so that was exciting. Um, but during that process, there was this lady and I swear she was like a guru. Um, like she was like this Holy spirit special lady. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes, oh, of yeah. course. <laughs> like people that like, 
they carry within them prophecy. Um, <laughs> so like she would do these like one-on-ones um, where, how did she do it? I got to think back. But, like you'd be in the, she would do one-on-ones, but then she also would do this thing where all of us would be sitting in a circle and like she would pray the Holy Spirit into the room and then she'd like, you know, point to one of us and be like, tell me, uh, I want you to think about a time in which you were hurt or you were abused or, or you felt like you weren't being treated fairly, you know, and like you'd sit there and you'd like think this scene out and then she'd be like, okay, now tell me where is Jesus in the room? Right. Um, and of course this would always bring up strong emotions and people would end up, you know, like falling out crying and Holy spirit was doing real work and all that stuff. Um, she asked me one time, but like this happened to me one time. So she picked me and I was like, well, I'm sitting, like I'm sitting downstairs in my room back in where I grew up. And my mom is telling me, why can't you be like your cousins? Why can't you be athletic like Jordan? Why can't you be less serious and more lighthearted like Billy? Why can't you, you know, with these active things, active examples. And she asked me, where is Jesus? And I was like, well, he's like across the room, but I can't reach him. And she was like, okay, why can't, why can't you reach him? And I was like, because my mouth is being covered by a presence. And I swear to you, this is real as day. Like I was envisioning this. I was sitting on the bed and there was a dark figure standing behind me with his hands covering my eyes and covering my mouth. Terrifying. And she was like, ask, reach out your hand, reach out your hand to Christ. And so like in this vision or whatever, I reached out my hand. And as soon as Christ like covered the, the palm of my hand, the dark figure fled to like the corner of the room. Terrifying stuff. It may have been emotionally driven. I don't know, but that happened. That's still a really cool, like mind trick, you know. Like, um, even if even if that's you know something that really is, I don't know, like a metaphor for what was going on in your life. Like, I think like being able to visualize certain struggles in your life like that and give them a figure is maybe helpful and kind of cool, actually to get to see them flee away like that, you know, like to give it visual presence. Mm-hmm. It's pretty neat. Even yes. if, even if it's not a real demonic, you know, oppression right. or anything like that, it's still some sort of stronghold in your life that you can see is like a dark figure, not a black person, Renee, but a dark figure holding your mouth. Yeah. It was hooded. It was like a Dementor from like Harry Potter. Had Harry Potter come out at this time? Oh, yeah. And so you had seen it? Yeah. That's interesting. So, but so we're talking about demons and shit, so, you know, that's a yeah. story. 
Alright, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in on this Halloween episode special of the Fade to Grey podcast. Make sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, at Fade to Grey Pod, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can find us on Marco Polo, the Fade to Grey group. That link is available on Facebook. We hope you have a happy and safe Halloween.